sound okay in this one? Oh, good. Well, there you go. Just perfect. Thank you, whoever said that. Um, it, when, when Pastor called, it was like, uh, are you instant, in season or not a season? I said, yes, sir. He says, well, good. Preach tonight. I said, well, good. I, th- I think I will. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity. The, the Lord is, uh, um, we were talking about covenant a little bit ago, and I, I want to I jump into that just a little bit because it's one of the things that in the church that we don't talk about a lot and we don't preach a lot. And I say in the church, I'm talking about our church. Um, we, we recognize it. We know that it's, it's, it's the word of God. It's truth. But it's, it's one of those things that, uh, uh, you know, that I pastor will talk on from time to time, but we don't spend a lot of time with it. And I, I don't want to spend a ton of time with it, but I want to use it to spring off it and to, to make a point with it. In covenant, um, how many of you are married? Well, then you understand covenant, maybe. You should. It's one of the things that the Lord used and, and that Paul used to, uh, he said, if you understand marriage, you understand covenant between you and I, you know, God and the church. And, hey, seven o'clock. Time flies when you're having fun. And, and he said, and if you understand covenant between me and you, he goes, you, you can understand covenant in marriage. And it's a completing. It, 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 covenant makes us complete. You know, we were created in God's image, right? God said, let's make man in our image. And so here we are, we're created. And, and one of the, you know, we can, we can say, well, so God was, had a nose and had ears and had a mouth and whatnot. And we know he had a mouth. Well, he spoke anyway. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the ways that, that we were made in the image of God um, takes a husband and wife to produce. You know, God made Adam and he put all the parts and pieces in this, uh, uh, you know, all the mud and the clay together in this pile. And, and then he breathed life into this pile of dirt. And there was Adam and, and said, well, it's, it's not good. So, in essence, he made Adam, he, Adam fell asleep, and the Bible talks about, remember, he took the rib, and this is, I know, this is Christian 101, and it's back to Genesis, but Genesis is a good place to be, because uh, it really establishes some cool truths, and he took the rib from Adam, or, or in other words, he took from the side of Adam, and he, and he pulled out part of what was Adam, and he craftily made this beautiful woman uh, called Adam. And there she was. And uh, then he had the two of them, Adam and Adam. And he said, and it was very good. Very good. You don't believe me? Read your Bible. God never named Eve Eve. You'll find in in chapter 3, Adam did. God, God saw Adam. Sorry, ladies. That's just the way it is. But he saw Adam as very masculine and beautifully feminine. And all the parts were right and all the pieces were right for Adam to be then in the image of God. And part of the image of God and part of the very important thing that God made us to do was to create. God is a creator. That's part of the makeup of God. He creates. And he wants us positioned to be able to create, not just anything, not to go out to your wood shop and take a piece of wood that looks like a board and turn it into something fancy. And those of you who can do that, God bless you. Some of you ladies, I I watched my wife take a couple piles of cloth that I could take out to that shop and use as a nice rag. And all of a sudden, it's a beautiful dress or whatever. She just made a couple for a wedding we've got coming up in Las Vegas with Courtney. It's just like, wow, it's amazing. Um, and I know there's gifts and talents that God has put in us, but what one of the things that God has put in us as a husband and wife is the ability to create, and not just create, but to create life. Wow. What an honor. And that's what makes us like God. And that's why, and I'll just say it right out loud, that's why homosexuality is such a defiant uh 
um, wicked thing because it steals from man. First of all, man, it's, it's perversion. But it steals from man his ability to be in communion with God and to be like God. Because man and man can't create life together. Just can't do it. Woman and woman can't do it. It takes a husband and a wife. I mean, you don't have to be married, but if you wanted to do it with the blessing of God, uh, you know, it was to be done in covenant and in marriage. It was to be done, did you hear that? In covenant and in marriage. Our whole relationship with God and everything that we do is to be done in covenant with God. We try to do things outside of covenant. We start doing things with our own skills, with our own abilities, with our own power and our own might. And guess what will happen on the final day? It will burn. Because no matter, no matter how well intended we are, if God isn't part of it, it's not blessed. It just isn't. So God desires us to be in covenant because God covenant. If, if I can be simple with it, well, let me give you a definition because I wrote it down. It's an agreement entered into by two or more persons or parties. It's a compact. Right? And for those of you ladies that have that little thing in your purse that you pull out, you flip it up, look in the little mirror. There's two of you now. Okay, you're in a compact. Oh, that's bad. The pro- this Here's another definition. The promise of God to bless those who obey him or fulfill some other condition. Now realize this came right from Funkin' Wagnall, my handy-dandy dictionary in my office that I've had for years, and I like it. Um, But realize that covenant with God uh, doesn't mean God's, God doesn't say, I'll bless you if if, if you're exactly right in everything that you do. God, God says, in covenant, I'm going to bring all my strengths into this situation, all that I am, and you get full access to it all. But in return, I want everything that is you to come into the relationship from your side, and I get access to that. My strengths will be your strength. Your strength will be mine. Who gets the better deal there? My righteousness will be your righteousness, and your righteousness will be mine. Who gets the better deal there? I'm thinking in this covenant that there's not much that we're offering God that, that he doesn't already have. Can anybody think of something, though? What's that? Our praise, our worship, absolutely. Anything else? What do you have that you can offer God? Our will. We can offer him our will. Somebody said our love, but we can love him, only love him because he first loved us, right? But yet we can turn around and give that right back, right? And and, and so we can then in turn reinvest into God, re-bless into God those things that he's poured out into us, right? Dare you before you talking before Smith, okay? Not right now, after church. All right, I'll talk to you later. See you later. It's a good thing. Don't sweat it. So here's covenant. All that God, all that God is and all that God has and all that God will ever have and ever be is for us and, and then vice versa in return. I want to give you a couple of cool little words. Covenant, one of the words used in covenant when you read through the Old Testament is the word aman, A-M-A-N. Not as in, as in aman, Jordan, but the word we get our word amen from. And it, and it means sure, faithfulness, truly or truth. It also means it's finished. What was the last thing Jesus said on the cross? No, he said into the hands of, into your hands I commend my spirit. That was the last thought he had in my, gotcha. That's one of the last thoughts he had. It is finished. In other words, covenant. Because what was done on the cross in the new covenant, right? Covenant. Last thing Jesus said was covenant. Pretty pretty powerful, isn't it? Also, you'll find it in the, in the Hebrew in the Old Testament when they start talking about covenant, there's another word, and it's called barah, B-A-R-A-H. And it means to render to give, to provide. Ready for this? To feed. What did Melchizedek do on the road? Took out bread and wine. What was that? Covenant. 
it means this, to cause to eat. Ready for this? means give meat. <laughs> meat. What was the thing that, that God did with, with, uh, with Abram? Remember in, in, in chapter 15, he said, bring me three of this sheep and three of this, three-year-old this and the three-year-old, these rams and these doves. And what did he do? He split them. There was meat and, he, and there was fire and he passed between them. Established covenant. What did he do with Adam and Eve after they sinned? All of a sudden, he closed them with clothed them with what? Animal skins. What was that? There was a sacrifice made. There was meat. There was a provision of meat. Did they eat it? Well, we know that the, the priests ate the meat that was sacrificed in the altar in the Old Testament. Absolutely. It was part of covenant. Okay? So here we have covenant, that, that this agreement that God is going to provide or give us to eat, that he is going to be sure, he's going to be faithful, he's going to be true. Um, and, and, and then it's a finished deal for us. And we're in this covenant with God. And I, and I want you to turn to Jeff, Genesis chapter 22. We might as well pick it up a little bit farther in Abraham's life with covenant because I, I want you to see something very powerful here. Um, God has made promises to Abraham that through you, you'll be the father of many nations and, and I'm going to raise up a nation that will be to me um, and uh, it's going to be through you and Sarah. Uh, we know that uh, she was old, he was older and uh, well past the years of having children and even she even laughed about it at one point. Uh, they tried to, uh, to fulfill the promise by giving, uh, Sarah said, go ahead and uh, why don't you uh, be with my maid uh, servant Hagar my slave, uh, she was an Egyptian woman, and why don't you have a child with her? They tried it that way. God said, look, that's not at all how I intended this, uh, and so you're trying to do this with your own strength. You're not using what I'm bringing into the mix. That's what covenant does. We allow God to bring his portion into what we're doing. They didn't. Hagar had Ishmael. Ishmael was eventually picking on Isaac when Isaac does finally show up, and, and Sarah has enough of it. She says, kick him out. Abraham does what, what mama wants. She got, and they kicked him out. But God said, I'm going to take care of this son because it is through you who I'm in covenant with. He's going to be a great nation. And Ishmael becomes what we know now as the nation of Islam. And it started way back when, when Islam was picking on, on uh, Judaism so to speak. And it's been that way since then. And uh, we, we think we're going to go in there and cause peace. Well, uh, uh, you know what? I, God's going to have to do that. But anyway, so um, here in chapter 22, we find that, that Isaac is, is a little bit older. We know that uh, uh, Sarah was 90. Uh, and the Lord says that a year from now when we come back that she's going to going to be a baby, so she was 91 or so when she has Isaac, roughly. Um, Abraham, that puts him at 100 plus, but, and then uh, we also know that in, in uh, chapter 23, uh, Sarah dies at the age of 127. We're going to read in chapter 22, just a chapter before that. So we know that Isaac is probably beyond a young boy at this part, point. He's probably a young man, um, somewhere in his uh, 20s or maybe even into his young 30s. And here's what happens. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, to whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on, uh, on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, didn't dawdle, didn't debate with God, didn't say, Lord, are you sure that's what you want to do? God, that's a hard thing. I'm going to go offer my son Isaac. Isn't God mean? Yeah. I, it, God is brutal. I mean, and he is, he's like, like wicked. Go take and kill your son. <laughs> I haven't had any good entertainment in a long time. Let's go have a sacrifice. How many people, though, do you know that read that and that's the vision that they get? That's what they envision. I wouldn't serve a God that would ask me to do that. Well, let's get some context here, shall we? Because does that sound like our God? 
No, but yet it is, right? Because it's right here. Unless this, unless this is wrong, but it's not wrong. So let's, let's figure out what's going on. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took, his two, uh, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut wood for the burnt offering. And he arose. And he went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, it is just amazing when you read the scriptures how you can see the, the, the types and shadows of the life of Christ all through the scripture. You realize that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the presence. The scripture is translated to the Father. Nobody comes to his presence but by me. Ready for this? Solomon built a temple. And I want you to uh, I want you to make an entryway to the to the temple grounds. That entryway will be called the way. And then Solomon, I want you to build an inner chamber. The entryway to that inner chamber will be called the truth. Solomon, I want you to position the pieces that are in that, the the the, uh, the altar and, uh, and the menorah and the different things, the table of showbread and whatnot, in that. And then when you look at the positioning that God had placed all the parts and pieces in that inner court, it's the shape of a cross. And then he said, I want you to build a holy place where the presence of God dwells. And in there you'll put the ark pieces that are in the ark. We know what those pieces are. The staff that's representing authority. The, the tablets that represent the, uh, the word of God and the budding uh, or the, uh, the budding uh, thing that represents the life of the authority and the ark in the thing. But, but he said, but the entryway to the holy of holies So here we see, even in the Old Testament, you know, that Jesus shows up all over. And then in the New Testament, he reminds Israel, who knows so well what those parts are called, what those pieces are. And he identifies himself as that, exactly that. You know, just go to Israel sometime, get in a a good tour that's led by by a Jewish, uh, born-again Jew that understands the old, uh, the the, the, Jewish, traditions and, and, and the feasts and, the, and the, the things of the Jewish customs and yet has a relationship filled with the Holy Ghost with God and let them show you where you're at and what Jesus said and did when you're at that place and you're just, your jaw will hit the ground. It was the most enlightening trip, most enlightening thing I've ever done in my life when I'm standing there going, wow, that's why Jesus said that and that's why he did what he did right here in this place because my gosh, you couldn't have asked couldn't have done anything else. It was perfect. But Jesus is constantly using the truth of, of the Old Testament to speak to the new. And here's another type. Let's keep reading. Then he, Abraham said, this is verse 5, to the young men, stay here with your donkey. And the boy and I will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Isaac was rebellion. And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Verse 9, when they came to the place which God told them. And do you know where the place where God told them? Mount Moriah. You know what was built on Mount Moriah? 
temple in the city of Jerusalem. So here God brings Isaac through Abraham, the very same place that his son Jesus is going to be. Isn't it ironic that that there's wood and, and it's laid on the sun to carry up the hill? What other son who was a lamb provided by God carried his wood up a hill? And God provided himself a lamb for sacrifice. Here's Jesus. We're looking at Jesus right here. As Abraham has taken his son up the mountain. Isaac said, God, or Daddy, what, what's going to go on here? And Abraham said, God's going to provide himself a lamb. Abraham had a promise from God. He said, through your son, I'll establish Israel, and your seed will number even greater than the stars. Abraham probably said, the only way I'm going to see this come to pass is God's going to have to raise this boy from the dead. But I'm going to follow through. And so, we find out that, that he gets Isaac tied down, and we, but we don't see that Isaac fought. Jesus laid his life down willingly, so did Isaac. He's tied there, and like I said, he could be in his young mid-30s. I don't know how easy it would be for a young fella at 30 years old to overpower a man at 120, but I think it might be able to be done. If nothing else, he could probably run faster. Anyway, he says, no, no, I'm trusting, I'm trusting you, Dad. I'm trusting our God. You're in a covenant with, you're in covenant with my God. Because remember, God was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who later became Israel. And, and, and so here we see this type and shadow of Jesus. And so he said, he said, Abraham, will you do this? And Abraham said, yes, Lord, because we're in covenant and I trust you and I believe you. And so as Abraham takes that knife and he lifts it up to, to slay his son and he begins to come down with that knife, God stops him. Whew, just in time. That was just in time for God to know that Abraham was not going to withhold his son. If Abraham would have said, no, Lord, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to sacrifice my son to you, God would not have been able to say, I'm going to sacrifice my son for you. So God was putting Abraham in a position to be obedient to him so that he could bless Abraham and us with the sacrifice of Jesus. All because of covenant. If Abraham wasn't willing to give what was his, God then, because of covenant, would not have been able to give to us what was his, what was God's. The darling of heaven. Our Lord Jesus. So, so take your son. Okay, we did that. Thank you. Now I can send my son Jesus. But until we know how much the Father loves Jesus, we're never going to know how much He loves us. And that's part of covenant. Also, I'm going to use this now. Here's here's this big story of covenant. We see covenant all through it, but we're going to see that God is willing to offer Jesus. He does offer Jesus, but I want to bring that now into us. Can I do that real quick? Here's what I want to get into. Matthew chapter 11. Let's go to the New Testament. If if you are reading your Bible on a regular basis, make sure part of your Bible reading, and I would say every day, has Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John in it. But I'm reading through the Bible. Good. But that's not enough. Get in you everything that Jesus said and did. Get it in you. Get it in you. You need to hear it. You need to see it. You need to know it. Verse 11 of Matthew chapter 11. Or of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I'm trying to say it. It's dark up here today. Verse 28 says, Come to me all that you labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. I already mentioned this. And learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay? 
we, we get into this idea of, of rest, and we get into this idea of that rest means I get to take it easy. And Jesus, in the middle of this rest idea, he said, yoke with me. Well, we know that the reason you yoke is so you can work. <laughs> you want to work? Let's rest. You want to rest? Let's work. Because in, in, when you read the book of Hebrews, you really get a good, a good idea that the, the rest of God is not, it has nothing to do with taking a sabbatical. It has everything to do with labor and laboring in the things of God. And he said, you know, he said, in, in there, where am I? Oh, over here. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He goes, then you will find rest for your soul. Because one of the things that we try to do as, as Christians is we try to do all these great things for God. We try to get out there and we try to labor and we try to, to work our way through this and, and, to, and to by my might and by my power, I will get this done. And God says, look, it will never happen that way. It will be by my might or my power. It will be by my spirit. By, says the Lord, not by your might or your power. It's going to be by my spirit. So Old Testament, we had to contend for righteousness by works. And guess what? We find out through the Old Testament that we can never contend and be good enough, and our works will never get us into a position of righteousness. But yet covenant demands that, because that's part of the definition of covenant. This righteous element. But who provides that? God does. Right? Uh, The New Testament, it's by faith in Christ. There's a new covenant. Jesus said, it's finished. What did that mean? He hollered out, covenant! New covenant. It's no longer by you striving. It's no longer by you working. It's going to be by you obeying me and being filled with my spirit and walking with me and learning of me and growing with me because you're going to yoke with me. And that's how you're going to accomplish great things for my kingdom. Because guess what? Because of sin, you don't understand my kingdom and how it operates. If you would have, you never would have ate from the tree of the knowledge of good or evil. You would have recognized that I get to choose what's right and wrong because I know you choose life and eat from that tree and obey. And guess what? Things are going to be awesome. But you didn't. So we're going to go ahead. We need to go about this a little bit different. And But I don't want any different results. I want you to live eternally. I want you to be with me. I want you to be successful in my kingdom because the whole purpose that man was put on earth was to destroy the works of the devil completely that God cast out of heaven onto earth. Then he puts man in the middle of the earth that the devil was cast down to because his creation, you and I, were given the privilege by God to destroy him completely. God says, you want to do something cool? Jesus says, I'm into that. Holy Spirit says, me too, what? Want to let, want to let our creation that we're making in our image destroy the, our enemy completely? Yeah, how cool is that going to be? Very cool. It's still happening. It's through the work of man. Jesus was all man, right? But the church is to to rule and reign. Is that correct? The church is to overcome. Is that correct? The church is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. The church is to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. The church is to cast out devils. The church is to do all these things, but we can't do them by our might or by our power. We've got to do them by his spirit, and we've got to do them in the way that God's established it. How's that? Rest. Not doing it. Because you're strong or you think you have the right way, but hooking up with him, learning of him, and doing it his way. Because his way works. Every time. Covenant. So, Old Testament, Old Covenant. New Testament, it's finished. New Covenant, based on better promises. Scripture speaks to people who are under the burden of the law. But he says, get out from underneath the burden of the law, or trying to be good enough of your own works and your own might, and rest with me. Yoke up with me. Hook up with me. And let's get it done. The law demands from us. Right? The Old Testament demands from us. And we try to, and we do this as a church, 
we do it as a church here at times, but the church overall, and especially the denominationalism church, tries to do this all the time. We try to impart Old Testament principles into New Testament living, and it can't work. It cannot work. We're trying to do all these things that we find in the Old Testament and trying to make them produce righteousness in the New Testament, and there is none righteous, and, and none of that produces righteousness. Only God does. Only Christ does in our relationship with him. The Old Testament, the Bible says this, the letter of the law kills. What does that mean? It means it shows you that there is nothing you can do to be good enough for life. And if you try to do it by the old way, the eventual result is death. But the new covenant is life and peace. It's life to those that find it. It's health to their flesh. That's what the Bible says about his word, about Christ, and our relationship with him. So every religion has this idea of do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. Right? Even the Old Testament was eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. He changed the whole dynamic. And and, and Christianity is unique in that. We're the only one that's like that. The cross changed everything. We're free to love unconditionally. Because the Old Testament, like I said, demands from us. The law demands, but grace imparts rest to us. The Old Testament demands from us, the New Testament gives from God to us. And we need to recognize that. It's no longer, like I said, good for good, bad for bad. It's not that anymore. Jesus received all our bad and we took all his good. How's that for covenant? Because what did we have to offer him? Nothing but bad. He had everything good to offer us. And that's the gospel. And it's based entirely on his love for us. Based entirely on his love for us. Um, Let's go to Matthew chapter 3. For the sake of time, I'll just tell you where it's at, and I'll just tell you the story. Chapter 3, verse 16. Jesus was baptized. He comes to John, and when he came up out of the water, the, the heavens were open, and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove uh, coming out of heaven. It was not a dove. It just That's the best way that the, the writers could kind of describe it. Uh, something just fell on Jesus. What was that? Uh, Holy Ghost. Okay. How do I describe it? Looks like a dove to me. Good enough, dove. All right. So we have this visual, right? I don't know if it exactly happened that way, but that's what we got. Uh, and then a voice from heaven said, right, Tim? Can you put a lot of low wind reverb on my voice? I can't reverb it, Tim. This is my beloved son. Don't you wish you had a low voice in some certain times? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God recorded that, by the way, and we heard that for our benefit. Right? Did God need to say that? He knew that. But God wanted to make sure that we knew that. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And God has accepted us in the beloved, in Christ, right? God is well pleased with us because we are in Christ. Our lives are hid with God in Christ, right? So in John chapter 17, Jesus' prayer, this is the Lord's prayer. The Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, is the accepted Lord's prayer. That was a prayer for the disciples. The Lord's prayer in John chapter 17, in verse 23, Jesus said, I in them, and you in me. I'm in them, and you're in me. That they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus paints this picture that that says, you know, remember God, I'm your beloved? And God says, yeah. And he goes, the world needs to know that, that you feel the very same way about anybody who's received me as Lord. I'm in them, you're in me. And, and the world needs to know that you love them just like you love me. And the world needs to see that. You, you know, our, our gospel and our message, they need to recognize the world is so hungry for love. The world is so hungry for love. 
You know, I mean, one of the things that Carrie and I are teaching this Bible study at SVSU, they want to know that. I'm loved. God loves me. Really? He he wants to have a relationship with me? Yeah, he does. The world's hungry for love. And he said, and, and, and so we need to recognize and need to settle it within ourselves that, that, that we are the beloved of God. Has anybody ever questioned that? How could God love me? I'm just messed up again. How could, I mean, I, I remember some of you guys, and I've talked to some of you, and you, you dealt with that over and over again because you're trying to get your head around this love that God has. But guess what? Your head may never get around it, but your spirit can. You get your mind renewed, but I mean, that's 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 a battle that some of us have. But I messed up again. And God goes, but I'm in no panic over that. I, you got to remember Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the propitiation of our sin. He, you know, it, it, it is... The work that Jesus did is a sacrifice, and it's a work that never stops. It will never fall short. It will never quit being enough to deal with our shortcomings. So we constantly walk in this perpetual realm of forgiveness as long as we are pursuing our God. And that relationship. Now you can you can finally just say, "Okay, Lord, I, I you know what? I'm just not going to pursue you anymore." And, and and I know people who've done that, or God, you you've made me this way, or whatever, and just whatever. But man, when when you are saying, "God, I'm in covenant with you," and part of that covenant says that I am going to give you my best, it'll fall short. But I but all that I have. All that I have but this little piece over here. All that I have but that little piece and this thing. There's a movie. I'm not a bum, I'm a jerk. I don't I don't I don't need that money. I mean he invested in saving kittens. And he threw all his money. It's a dumb movie. I don't need anything. I don't nothing except this slinky. That's all I need is my slinky and this lamp. I need my slinky and my lamp, but nothing else. Just my slinky and my lamp and and my chair. And he goes on and he keeps adding different things that he needs. And uh, <laughs> but the the what's happening is is we do that with God. God, you can have everything, but but my slinky. I can't have my slinky. God, you can have everything with my slinky and my lamp. I can't have that. God, you can have everything. And eventually, we, we've taken back from God everything we said we could have. But that's not covenant. It's all yours, Lord. And that's how, that's how righteousness and, and, and the perpetual, the, 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 uh, that redemptive work of Christ continues to work. That we say, it's all yours, God. It's all yours. And God says, great, then we're in. We are in solid covenant. And that way, all that I have can continue to work for you. Because if I start in covenant saying, you can have everything but my slinky, God says, okay, then you can have everything but we start changing, holding back tit for tat, so to speak. And pretty soon, we've held back all our our tats and we get nothing in return from the Lord. So we, we don't have that right if we want to live in covenant. But yet, that's how we want covenant to work. God says it doesn't work that way. The Jews understood that. Sacrifice your son. Okay, God, I'll I'll do everything you want except that. Well, then you don't get my son. And so we we need to to recognize what's going on here. In Matthew chapter 4 then, Jesus has gone into the wilderness. He's been tempted of the devil. He's just got the word from God that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He fasts 40 days and 40 nights. And we're just coming off Thanksgiving today. And the Bible says he was afterward hungry. In other words, it was done. the fast was over and he was hungry. And the tempter came to him. And the first thing he says, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. 
So what was the first thing that Jesus was tempted with? Identity. God just said, you're my beloved son. The devil said, if. Not you're my beloved son, but if you're the son. The devil even left out the beloved part. You don't even have to be the beloved, but if you think you're the son, then make these stones into bread. The devil will tempt you with identity. Covenant says you're a child of God. Covenant says you're the family of God. Covenant says you are an heir of God. Covenant says you have the right to all that is in heaven and all that heaven provides through God by the Holy Spirit. And the devil, the first thing he'll say, if you think that covenant is right. Then he said, cause the stone to become bread. So what was the second thing he was tempted with? He was tempted with covenant. First thing was identity. Second thing, the devil said, look, why a new covenant? Just make the stone or the tablets good enough. Make that the bread of life. Make the old covenant life. Make the stones bread. Because who is Jesus? The bread of life. The devil says, let the law work. That way you don't have to sacrifice your body. That way you don't have to give up your life. Come on! Make the stones work. Jesus said, no. Man will not live by bread alone. Ready for this? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now isn't, if Jesus is the bread and he's the word, isn't that what that means? Uh-huh. But it means more than that. Make the old covenant work. And Jesus said, no. It won't work because the new covenant demands an intimacy and a fresh word from God to his people. Not just what's written down that you get to remember, but the word that's spoken to you by the Holy Spirit that brings revelation and rhema to the written word that is Christ Jesus. And Jesus said, if I do that, then they're going to miss out on the fullness of the covenant, which is to give, to eat, which is the finished work, which is the establishment of righteousness, which is all these things that come from that relationship, and I will not cut my people short because I love them. Because you know what? I'm in them and they're in me, just like God is in me, and they are loved by my Father as much as he loves me. I cannot do that to who my father loves, and I won't do that. Covenant. The Old Testament, that stone, those those stones have already proven that they do not create life that they give. But yet we as believers, we as Christians, so many times try to grab hold of those stones, those traditions, those old things, and say, somehow these have to work, and I'm going to apply them to my life, and if I'm just good enough, I'll get to heaven. God's going, that's a stone. It's not even bread. It's a stone. We're way past that. I've established you. I put you way past that, but yet we try to bring that in. I'm good enough. I'll get to heaven. I'll live good enough. And, 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 and you see that all the time. You see that, you know, people trying to, Or if I walked in that church, man, the, the lightning would strike it and we'd all be killed. Because God would be floored. No, no, God is inviting you. Please come. But we have all these Old Testament ideas that do nothing but kill. Command these stones. Man will live by every word, the, the now word. It's not use the Old Testament. We need to use the New Testament. We need to use the New Covenant. Because one of the, you know, you, you know what Testament means? Words are interchangeable. So as long as we live under the law, death binds us. Plain and simple. Jesus has come out from under me, but that's not what the letter means. But I've come to give you life. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, and we'll be done. Who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant? Oh. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. 
He has made you through Christ and filled you with the Holy Spirit that you can be ministers of this new covenant, administers of this new covenant. It means that not only can you speak it to others and minister it to others, but you can effectively administer the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. And that's where the letter continues the letter came from the spirit gives the word we need to know how the father sees us he sees us in Christ and he loves us like he loves Christ we are the beloved of God we are in covenant with this amazing God now I've spoken long enough and 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 so here's what God wants to do he wants you to have this recognition He's great. And not only that he's great, but because he dwells in you, you're great. And because he's great, and you're great because he dwells in you, you get to do, guess what, great things. What kind of great things do I get to do? The same great things God did. Some things you don't have to do because Jesus did it. You don't have to die on a cross. You know, I made the comment the other day, uh, at church, and I also I think Tuesday night I even commented, Jesus didn't just die for us, he died as us. Our lives were hidden in him. He didn't have to die on a cross, he did for our sin, so he, he, he died as, as us. But what does that then allow us? It allows us to be his righteousness in Christ. And so we are just as right as he is, as he is in this world, so are we. There will be challenges that you get to face this week. You get to face them. And God's saying, I don't want you to shrink back from them. I want you to begin to speak into them just as I have. Guess what? There was darkness that covered the face of the deep in the beginning. It was a challenge. God had a whole bunch of stuff to put somewhere. All he had was darkness a challenge. So you know what he did? He spoke into it. He said, let there be light. Holy Ghost? Yeah, cool. Let's do that. Light. There it was. You've got some darkness. You're going to speak into it. Speak light. Some of you are dealing with family members who are sick. What are you speaking? Oh, I hope hope they get through it. I hope they get through it. No, no, no. It's darkness. You speak light. Light could be, in Jesus' name, rise up, heal. Light could be, in Jesus' name, I command something new to be created in their body that might be missing or broken. Light could be, they're, they're, they're dealing with, with fear, or they're dealing with confusion, or they're dealing with something mentally. I speak the mind of Christ in the situation of clarity and peace or whatever. You begin to speak. It might be your children that are acting up, and I just, I just, I speak discipline. And I loose the disciplines of God in their life. And now I'm going to act on what I speak by training and teaching and showing. Oh, because faith without works, you've got to know it's dead. Yeah, it's dead. No, they will be. You're speaking it. So your body, your, somebody's body is sick. You speak life to that body. But faith without works is dead. So there might be a couple different things you can do. You send the word like Jesus did, or you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And so there, there will be some challenges for action that God's going to throw at you. Or there's going to be, how about if I word it this way, opportunity for action. It's time for us to not fear or dread that I'm going to have to do something. God wants us to take this attitude that says, I get to. Come on, when's the next opportunity? I can't wait for the opportunity to come where I'm getting out of the boat and walking on the water. It's on my to-do list. It's on my bucket list. But Chuck, if that happens, guess what? That might be a pretty rough situation you find yourself in. Yep, it's on my bucket list. I opened my mouth and I put it out there one day. Looking forward to the opportunity. I want it to happen when Carrie's on the shore. <laughs> I put, no, I'm kidding. But you, you, know, you hear what I'm saying. God is going to 
challenge us with those opportunities. What are you going to do with them? Are you going to embrace them as opportunities, or are you going to shrink away from them? No, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I, if, if I have the power. You don't. That's where covenant comes in. He does. I don't know if I have the answer. You don't. He is. The answer that is, he is the answer. So, this week, I'm challenging you guys to say, Lord, I'm in covenant. That means all that I am and all that I have and everything about me is yours, and I'm part of this great kingdom that's yours. Put me to work somehow, somewhere, something. Let me speak, let me follow it up by action, let me do. And all of a sudden, I promise you, you're going to be looking at a situation. God's going to go, eat the cookie chuck in the corner with all the chocolate chips. It's got the hair in it, and I don't want somebody down there to eat it. And if you missed that story, you're late. But I told it at the start of service. And I probably, you know what? As much as goofy, as silly as that is, that's God. Because you know what? The last thing that a kid wants is to bite into a cookie that's got a hair in it. And if anybody tells you, Carrie, that I told you that story, you're dealing with me tomorrow because I'll have to deal with her when I get home. Because she didn't even look that as good news. She was really embarrassed. She was hoping not another cookie had a hair in it. I said, oh, honey, I've, the Lord didn't tell me to eat two, just one. So you're fine. Embrace the challenge. Let's pray. Let's see if the Lord wants to do anything else before I send you home. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we recognize that, that uh, Lord, you're great. Father, you've positioned us for success because of your love for us, because we're your children, made in your image, God. Because you made that determination. We didn't ask, God. You just said, oh, man, I, I love these guys. I haven't even made them yet. They're going to be just like me. I look, took one look, God. You took one look at your son, Jesus, looked down from heaven and said, just like him. Just like him. And here we are, just like Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, as we go tonight, Father, we go as covenant people. Father, we go able because you're able. Father, because we don't do things by our strength or by our our power or might, but we do it by yours. Father, we turn around and we offer you our worship. We offer you our lives and our, our willingness, God, and our obedience. We offer you the things that we can give to you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that's enough for you to turn right around, Lord God, and, and use it to, to do great things for the kingdom. Praise the Lord. So go with us in peace, Lord God, tonight, and in power, and in demonstration, Father, as we choose to be used by you and look for those opportunities.